0: Hey guys, welcome to the Midweek Podcast. It's been quite some time since we've put one of these out, but we're back. Uh, Pastor Ross and Pastor Sam here with me, and we're, we're coming today with uh, a really hard topic, one that we we said we were going to bring to you, a series of podcasts on the current uh, racial division in our culture um, that, is, that is being talked about um by virtually everyone and everywhere like we're we're and we're we're here trying to get our heads around it we really want to we really want to come um not as those who believe we have it uh kind of all figured out but as those who are doing our best to to understand and and to love those who are hurting and uh and to have a, a good and helpful way forward so today uh to start out we're gonna really try to cover um the issue of systematic racism we're, we're going to try to define what systematic racism is and this is this is the first like i said of, of a, a series we'll try to cover other things in the months to come um other topics like the the black lives matter movement and uh interculturality or or um intersectionality inter- sorry yeah. <laughs> intersectionality yeah. and and critical race theory um, police brutality, police brutality, all, all uh, kind, of, all fun stuff. Yeah, fun, so funding quotes. That's and, right. And uh, if you if you'd like, we we have Sam put out a seminar um, last week called "What racial lens do you have on?" We'd encourage you to look there as well. Um, but we, we will be putting out a few more of these, Lord willing. So today, defining systematic racism, we want to try to. To understand what do these terms mean? The reason is because we often are talking past each other when we when we come with this topic. And so we really need to understand what is the what is that what does that term mean? Uh, what does perhaps the Bible say about racism? What does it maybe not say? And we, we want to talk today also about a way forward. So um, why don't I, why don't I just start us out? Why are we first uh, going after this issue? Why are we trying to define systematic racism? Can you guys give an answer to that? I guess I said it in the
1: pre-show prep, if we want to call it that, um, as we were trying to wrestle through what to say, but how often do we have arguments with people and we're using the same words, but we mean something completely different. And therefore, we make no progress. We're upset at each other. And there comes a point in maybe that conversation, if there's any semblance of sanity and humility and and um inquiry where they're like wait what do you mean by that and the person explains it and they're like wait what do you mean by that and the, and the other person explains it and they're like oh we're, we're totally talking past each other yeah and what happens is because the understanding of systemic racism or, um, has two primary different viewpoints in our country um often rarely defining them people are talking past each other and so what happens is each camp further entrenches themselves digs their whole uh dig digs their feet in the hole um what, what am i trying to say Dig their feet in, dig their heels in, dig <laughs> their heels in. There That's right. Yes, I did grow up in, in the states. Yeah. <laughs> um, they dig their heels in, um, and and then the other camp further is feels alienated and feels divided and just wants nothing to do, um, and vice versa. And so we want to, as pastors, try to bring unity, not division. Um, and especially with Christians, we already have unity in the spirit that we want to eagerly maintain according to Ephesians chapter four. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think a lot of the division comes because we're talking past each other. And so if we, um, get into all these different, um, areas of debate, whether, you know, the racial disparities in our country with, uh, redlining in the past or, and all the different things that are important to talk about, but yet we're coming from fundamental, fundamentally different lenses or definitions, then we're not going to have any productive conversations with anyone. Sure. Sure. And in in our society and culture today,
2: systematic racism is a concept that all of us are being exposed to from the media, institutions, Mm -hmm. churches, everywhere you go, you're going to hear about this term. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And a lot of people, so you're being influenced by these ideas, all of us are being influenced by these ideas. And there's a big part of our culture that has a specific definition of what this means. And so if you're not aware of what systematic racism is, you're going to find yourself reacting to something that you're always being influenced by and receiving and hearing, but you may or may not even know what it's called. And and, Mm -hmm. yeah, this is a big cultural current concept in our society at this moment. That's right.
0: Yeah. It seems like it it, it, it all kind of gets uh, kind of bunched together. And sometimes it's really difficult to understand exactly what people are talking about. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, we're trying to dive in here. So what are, you know, what are two, there, there are a couple different understandings of racism in our culture. Should we go there now? Yes, I think that's helpful. What are the two main understandings of racism in our culture right now? Yeah. So
2: um, one, is, one is individual, and that is that racism is done by people making decisions and are acting on attitudes that are racist. Hmm. Um, so if someone says, man, I'm the victim of racism, then it'd be, all right, show me the person who committed racism against you. That's mm-hmm. the only possibility for what racism is. Mm-hmm. The other is structural, and it's that society's institutions or systems of relating to each other, um, whether either consciously or unconsciously, have an impact mm-hmm. that disadvantages people of color. Mm-hmm. So um, the way we educate, the way we... Tax the way our neighborhoods, uh, local governments work. The way we police. The way we police. Mm-hmm. Um, it's done in a way that, whether intentionally or not, disadvantages and hurts people of color. That's right. And so, so those are kind of the two uh, definitions of racism. And so, um, one particularly thorny part of that is that if, even if you haven't committed an individual act of racism, if the second definition is true and holds you can be a part of a racially biased system that's hurting people. Mm-hmm. Um so that's yep. that's kind of one of the flashpoints that causes so much
1: controversy in right. these discussions. Which so, makes yeah. sense why people talk past each other and get frustrated because if you come from an individualistic framework of racism and you're being um charged with being complicit or guilty of being part of a racist society, a racialized society and you're um part of a system that oppresses uh, people of color then you're going to have a lot of issues with it yes. because you're like, I have, because to be individualistically racist, it's individual, it's conscious, it's overt. And so uh, many people who hold that definition are going to think about hate crime, very specific, you know, calling someone uh, a derogatory word or it's someone hurting someone physically, you know, doing something very clear and overt. And therefore if that's their framework, to be even associated with racism at any level is abhorrent to them. Yes. While they may have prejudices in their heart, they cannot accept that definition because their understanding is very explicit. Mm-hmm. And yet systematic racism or structural racism is more covert. It's not as um, – it's a little trickier to define. Right. Um, And so one of the things that we thought would be helpful is talk about some of the most common definitions of structural or systemic racism by many of the sociologists. Yes. One of the challenges is that there's not one definition that everybody quotes. Mm. So you look at a a number of different authors, you know, if you look at the top three best selling books on Amazon on race right now, one being, you know, how to be anti-racist or or white fragility, they're going to say things differently and they're going to emphasize different aspects. And they're not actually all going to agree, even the ones who are friends. Mm-hmm. So, um, so let me give you a couple ones that I got, um, some that I found and some that was from the help of Neil Shevny, which his article on systemic racism was helpful for me. Um, here's one, um, from how to be an anti-racist. So, and I quote, a racist policy is any measure that produces or sustains racial inequity between racial groups. Hmm.
2: Racial what? Is it inequality? Inequality. Or inequity. Inequity. It's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I just never heard that word.
1: Racist <laughs> policies have been described by other terms institutional racism, structural racism, and systemic racism, but those are vaguer terms than racist policy. Um, so, racist policy says exactly what the problem is and where the problem um, is and where the problem is. Exactly what the problem is and where the problem is. Wow! Can we keep this in post edits? Um, <laughs> we don't have anyone does that. So anyway, if you want to help us with that, let us know. Um, so uh, that's one definition. I'm not going to read all the definitions, but um, if here's one more um, from uh, D'Angelo uh, from his "Everyone uh, Really Equal." I forgot the other co-author. Racism refers to white racial and cultural prejudice and discrimination supported by institutional power and authority. Now, when, I'm, now I'm speaking as Sam Choi. This is key because their understanding of racism is prejudice plus power, mm-hmm. not just prejudice. You have to have power, institutional power. Okay, back to D'Angelo used to disadvantage advantage whites and the disadvantage of peoples of color. So, yes. and then so racism encompasses economic, political, social, and institutional actions and beliefs that perpetuate an unequal distribution of privileges resources and power between white people and peoples of color. And one final short one from Derek Johnson. He's the president of the NAACP systems and structures that have procedures or processes that disadvantage Mm African-Americans. All right. So there's more definitions out there, but what they all have as a common theme is that systemic racism does not primarily refer to overt acts of racial hostility, but to ideologies and policies that produce racial disparities.
2: Yes. Okay. And that shift in definition probably happened in popular culture in what the last decade or so. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I don't think sociologists did America a very good service in making that shift and then using the same word that used to mean something else. Yep. I think that creates a lot of the problems we're having. Right. Is that people grew up, a lot of people in this country, understanding Racism as an an overt action that I commit or don't commit, Mm -hmm. and now all of a sudden that term has changed definitions to mean
1: a system that disproportionately affects a people group. So this is where we're going to have a little fun on this podcast. I will I would disagree with you, with respect. Okay. Okay. So if we say we've changed the definition of racism, I would I would grant that with you. Yes. But when we're defining systemic racism. Then that's – I think that definition has a longer history, especially from oppressed groups like people of color have understood systemic racism being tied to structures and power more than overt, oh, my master beat me. Sure. And so especially when, when we as a country were, were most uh, – um, laws were most racially motivated. So think you know hundreds of years ago. Yes. Um. They definitely thought through system through systemic lenses. Yes. Yeah, I agree right. with that. Yeah. I so I that. think where it's fair with the sociologists, they're not saying we're redefining racism. Well, some of them do. Yeah. But we're we're saying this is what systemic racism, which is the whole purpose of this podcast, right? Right.
2: But if but if racism is prejudice plus power, it has to be systemic. Okay. There, there, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay. So whereas, that's whereas right. in previous popular yeah. discourse, it didn't have to be systemic. That's right. Like that's if right. I said you're a racist, I'm not me. Like. Several like when I was a kid, yeah. that meant, man, you did something mean
1: to a person of sure. color. Not you're participating in this yes. system. That's true. That's yes. true. There there has been a transition that I think threw off a lot of people, but not yeah. everyone. And it wasn't very communicated very yeah. well. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, some, and and that's yeah. that's the nature of the the brokenness of our society is where we do, do not clarify our terms and we speak past each other. Mm-hmm. And so and then so people who have operated out of that lens for years before, they're like, don't you get it? Obvious, yeah. and then people who have not operated that are befuddled, and usually in in their pride, and this is not on them, this is not good. Instead of saying, "What do you mean?" they then just react, and sure. that's that's the slap on the hand for those, especially majority culture, who have um, been just reacting instead of saying, "Okay, wait, why do you say that? What do you mean by that?" Right, and so both one side needs to define their terms and be clear and try to help people transition, understand what they mean. The other side needs to press in and say, "Wait, why do you say that?" Sure. Mm-hmm. But also, when when racism
2: means you basically did like the worst thing a person can do, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden it's changed to I mean you can just participate in something that's sure, bad. Sure, you can react very very strongly to that term. It, it and makes It's, sense. So, it's somewhat makes understandable. Sense. Yes.
1: No. Yeah. Totally understandable. Yeah. And, and I, I responded that way too. Mm-hmm. Like I, I had that visceral reaction against uh, being um, at all associated with racism. Right. Um, you know, and so me being Asian American, I, I'm in a kind of a weird limbo. Kind of place, um, but but I, I can get it. But so so, if racism, if we take systemic racism by the common definitions, do we affirm systemic racism exists by the modern sociological definitions? It's a good a good question. Well, okay, if we boil it down. Well, okay, okay. One clarification: some of the definitions say that. It's over, it's it may not be overt, but there are disparities. Other definitions say it is racially motivated. The disparities. There, there's a
0: prejudice that is motivating the disparities. That's uh, that changes very, everything. Very important point because this discussion, even trying to make sure that we're we're clear on what exactly we mean and whether or not we affirm that this is a reality or not, we we're not trying to deny that that there are true racial disparities. Like there, we're there are serious disparities in our culture. We're just trying to understand why exactly do they exist, right? That's, mm-hmm. that's the big question. And what, do, what exactly do we call it? You yep. in our culture, it's being called s- systematic racism. Yeah. Um, and, and we just want to make sure that we're, we're, we're saying the right thing. I mean, I'll say yes with a big asterisk.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'll say it depends. Yeah, it depends. yeah. It depends on what you mean by that. Yeah, that's right. Um, some of these definitions, I said yes and amen. Absolutely. It is mm-hmm. Grievous. We gotta do something about it. Sure. And others I can say yes and amen, but I can't go with you all the way of the reasons why there's always disparities. And we need to talk about that soon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think I'm a little more sure. Um, not quite in favor of the way they're defining the problem. Sure. sure. But um, there are things in there I can agree with. So so the you know, we talked about this earlier. The reason why I'm I'm more okay with going towards this um, definition, provided you're not explaining what, uh, all the disparities being racially motivated uh, based off of, you know, pre- prejudice is because I don't need to die on a hill for the definition racism mm-hmm. just because the Bible doesn't use that word racism. Sure. Right. Um, we can see um, uh, ethno-ethnic prejudice in the Bible, but we don't use, see that term racism. Right. And so, therefore, I I can feel the freedom to not die for using the term in historic way of an individual level. Mm -hmm. And yet I think it's important for us to say, Hey, the Bible actually doesn't even use race the way we do. No, it doesn't. Right. No. Yeah. What do I mean by that? What you mean by that is that the way that
2: our modern culture conceives of races and racial identity, um, not a racial identity, just racial difference and distinction is not a biblical category. In other words, race isn't in the Bible. Um, one verse that comes to mind is acts 1726. And he made from one man, every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, mm-hmm. having determined a lot of periods and boundaries for their dwelling places. Mm-hmm. There's been gen- genetic studies done lately that have shown that there isn't actually,
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, s- genetic differences between yep. people of different colors. Mm-hmm. Um, I might be more genetically similar to Sam than Daniel Mm -hmm. and actually some studies show that there's probably more likely that I am. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And just so this idea that skin color is actually a substantial division Mm -hmm. is is wrong. And actually if you trace the roots back uh, into history, um, it was devised by evil people who were trying to find a way to subvert people with different skin colors. And and so it's not, it's not a history that's growing out of a biblical worldview.
1: It's growing out of an unbiblical worldview. Yeah, And now, um, oppressive worldview, an oppressive world. Right. right. And what society has done, even though society is still against oppression as they ought to be, they've actually owned the very worldview mm-hmm. that, that birthed, uh, the, 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 terminology and the mindset that was birthed from oppressive worldviews. Yes. In other words, like the curse of ham, right? Yes. Things like that, like trying to justify that black people are lesser than, and they're trying to make fine verses to show mm-hmm. how black people are actually not the same as other people's Yes. Right, and so instead of race, the Bible speaks more of ethnicities, right? Culture, culture, yes. Because within a people group, you can have people of different shades of melanin, but share a similar culture.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, the danger of what we're just saying is that in our nation, in our American American society, mm-hmm. so much of culture is tied to melanin, mm-hmm. very much so, right? Yeah. And, and that's not necessarily we the Bible didn't say that's bad, but, but we just want to make sure we're, we're, um, we're, we're, not downplaying the importance of our racial differences. According to the, this, um, this, this racial concert race, those are real. There are differences mm-hmm. in culture, yeah. uh, but biblically we focus, it focuses more on ethnicities. Yes. There's, right. there's no such thing as a black race, yeah. but there is a black racial identity, a yes. culture, a self yes. understanding. Mm-hmm. Yes.
2: Yep. And, um, one thing about the terminology, yeah, I totally agree with you that we can be flexible with terminology because yep. it's not in the Bible, but also understand that that terminology is, while it might show us some helpful things, is also going to import some unhelpful worldview that yep. isn't consistent with the scriptures. And we also
1: need to be yes. alert and aware of those things. Yep. Yep. And I'm sure we're going to get to some of that as we go yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's really helpful. Um, the other thing that we felt like it was really important to share is that, if we want to move forward in this this conversation as a society and, and really move forward and see transformation and, and change, um, we we need to destigmatize racism as the greatest sin, like as if it's the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Mm. You know, because the reality is if racism, if we take from a classical definition of just, you know, having a, a prejudice, a bias towards another person, that is it's sinful. Racism is sinful. Yes. Then where in our Bibles do we have this category that only certain people can have that? Right? Like we understand out of the human heart, all kinds of evils flow from it, apart from the grace of God. Right? All of us have um, in our life, if we searched and had eyes to see, we probably have many examples where our hearts and sometimes our words and actions um, indicated uh, racist kind of tendencies, racism. Yeah, maybe James
2: talks about the sin of partiality. That's right. Maybe i prefer to talk about it in those terms. Like, man, do you, yeah. do you prefer certain kind of people over other people based off of some yep. arbitrary yep. physical feature? And, yep. and if
1: you do, that's wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think it's really important because in our culture, because especially the civil, uh, civil rights um, um, movement and, and, and before that with um, you know, overt slavery – um, you know, ca- cattle slavery. Uh, is that the right terminology? Chattel. Chattel. Chattel as property. Yeah, why did I say cattle? Um, <laughs> okay, Lord help me. Chattel slavery. Uh, I, I said, I was like, that doesn't sound like You right. only have three hours of sleep last night. Uh, oh, that's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Chattel slavery. Um, the average American, especially the average white American, and I'm using white, using sociological terminology, even though I don't like using white as the primary way to reference. Ross, right? He's more than just a white guy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Even though he fits a lot of the, I'm very white, (laughs) white (laughs) characteristics, right? But like when we, when we think about racism, we, we think about that. We think about Birmingham. We think about bombing of, of the, the, of the church, you know, the, we we think about lynching. We think about all this kind of stuff in our history. And so when, when we hear racism, we think never me, right? Mm -hmm. And what we can say is why not me? Sure. Right. Why not me? I, I've had prejudice in my heart. I've had disparities in my uh, not disparities. I've had uh, partiality in my heart. Yeah. And the moment we can own that as a collective sin that all of us can be guilty of, and all of us have been guilty at some level, then we can start making progress of, of giving it to Jesus like every other sin, mm-hmm. right? The sins that we can't confess are the sins that we can't be forgiven of, or be changed, changed it. Mm-hmm. And so it's super important for us to de-stigmatize race without neglecting negating the horrific nature of it so that we can actually grow. Yes. Um, and that's why, again,
0: the definitions are important. Mm -hmm. Yes. That's good. Is there any more to be said about a way forward with, with how to talk about this or, or what we should be, um, agreeing with our culture when they talk about systematic racism? What are, I don't know. Is there any more? Yes. Yeah. That we should say. I, I, I think so. Yeah. Um, some people think we're in a
1: post-racialized society, right? Um, we, because of, we had a black president um, and because of, of the, the true advancements, there are true advancements. There are certain people who talk as if there's been no advancements in the last 50 years. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very disrespectful for all the people who have fought hard. Yes. Right? There has been, there's been change in our culture. We still have a ways to go, but there has been change. Now, the, the challenge is if we don't talk about systemic racism and don't define it well – uh, is, is a lot of times people will think like, hey, after 1960s, we're good. We're mm-hmm. good. We can mm-hmm. move beyond that. Let's just be a meritoc- meritocracy where we just focus on individual merits. The, hit, the past is the past. The only way forward is to forget all of that, forget race. So that's kind of the, the colorblind model. Mm-hmm. Let's just move beyond race and let's just go forward. But one thing that's really important is to, 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 to acknowledge and understand that there are true racial disparities. Yes. Um, in well, our it's country. Undeniable. Undeniable. Mm-hmm. That's right. And, and and we want to care about that as a church. Yes. Right? And so one of the things that was helped, uh, we were helped by um, looking at one article by Neil Shevney is four different categories as we look at policies and systems. And the reason why this is important is that precision will help clarify exactly where the problem is and where it isn't. Mm-hmm. It will not do... For growth, if we talk about something as a problem when it actually is a problem, when, it, when the problem is something else, right? And so just like a doctor who misdiagnoses uh, a certain cancer will have disastrous effects long-term. So to us, if we approach a, a disparity and call it um, and try to diagnose it wrongly, then we're ultimately going to cause greater disparities. Right. And which that's probably pretty likely
2: that there is some sort of misdiagnosis going on yeah. considering our country has been trying to treat this disease for
1: the last 70 years and yeah. seems to have deteriorated in some ways. That's yeah. right. That's right. And, and the, and the fact that we are led as a nation, primarily by non-Christians who mm. don't have the spirit. They don't have the Bible as God's truth mm-hmm. to direct them. So they're going to come to faulty conclusions, faulty diagnoses mm-hmm. because their worldview is, is inaccurate. Mm. Yes. Um, they don't get the real sin issues of the heart. So obviously, they're going to make mistakes. And so, we as the church, the, the city on the hill, we want to see with clarity by the Spirit through the scriptures, by, uh, based off the scriptures, uh, where, where the heart of things are, as much as we can. That's right. Um, and so, here are four categories from Chebny. I'm going to try to read it slowly. Hopefully, you can catch it. Law number one are laws or policies that are intended to harm people of color. The second category is laws or policies that unintentionally harm people of color. Do you mm-hmm. see the distinction? The first one is it's, it's willful, it's intentional. We're trying to hurt people, therefore we're getting a law, like segregation laws, right? You can't marry a black person if you're white, right? Those are intentionally harming them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Now, there also could be laws that are unintentionally harming people of color. Mm-hmm. They may be meaning to do something else, but in as an unintended consequence, people of color hurt. Here's a third one unconscious biases that harm people of color in other words we all have unconscious biases towards other people that we need god to reveal and expose Mm -hmm. and those can be um eking out sideways in our relationships uh, and in systems number four finally harm from historical racism that continues to be felt by people of color today in other words something like redlining has still effects on our modern maps. You look at redlining map in many cities and you look at our modern maps, they're almost still identical. They're modern reality. um, We're still feeling the effects of past policies that were intended to harm Mm -hmm. and some that were unintentionally harming them. Mm-hmm. So then, we need to. There, so the reason why these fourfold um, uh, uh, framework is so helpful is then we can have a productive conversation and say, "Hey, is this policy made by people who are trying to kill, you know, mm-hmm. like hurt black black people, or mm-hmm. or is it by people who love black people, but they're just bad at their job, mm-hmm. right? Like right. that changes things completely. Like right. they could be black people, right? So like we even have a black police chief, mm-hmm. the first black chief police chief in our history in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. right?" And so he wants to do well, but some things that are going poorly, do we say you're doing it because you're intentionally trying to harm black people? Or he's saying, maybe you're not doing well at your job
0: Mm -hmm.
1: or you're inheriting lots of baggage and it's going to take a long time for you to change things, right? There's lots of things. But to immediately say, because there's disparity in the way black people are treated uh, by police in Minneapolis, if we look at any stats, we say that, therefore it's because the police chief who's... the foremost person in power within the police force. Mm -hmm. Therefore he's racist. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. That would be a faulty conclusion or at least it'd be a, it'd be a hasty conclusion. Perhaps Mm -hmm. he is, Mm -hmm. but we need to have that conversation. Why? Right. Yes. Yes.
0: Two minutes. Um, till we're done. No. Yeah. 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 If we want to do the 30 minutes, yeah, we're trying to do this in 30 minutes, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. And so I'm looking at these and, um, as, as, as I look at the situation, I, I find it hard to conceive of that there's a number one anymore. Okay. Right? Like, there's not people saying, I want to pass this law in order to hurt people of color and people voting for that and saying, okay, let's do that. I'm looking at number two, and I agree that these do exist unintentional ones. But I wouldn't define a lot of them like we're hearing from the sociologists and the politicians and the media because it's often so vague. No one can, are, people are having so much trouble pointing at, uh, what exactly about this policy today is bringing harm or detriment to this community.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Number three, I do believe that a lot of us have unconscious biases. I believe that I have unconscious biases that I am working on repenting of. Mm-hmm. And, um, And God's really used this season to show me Mm. these things.
0: Mm.
2: However, I don't, I'm not aware of any evidence that shows that unconscious bias is the decisive contributing that is powerful enough to create an urban ghetto and sustain it. Like that, that that's a very massive social phenomenon right there. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm struggling to see how, minor attitudes could lead to such a devastating thing, which they're not minor before God, but they're still, you know, like they don't affect very much my day to day life, how I live. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And then, um, and then number four can be dubious too, because when you look at the statistics and data, it's hard to connect the present situation with the past cleanly. There seems to be counterexamples. There seems to be problems with the data evidence that would suggest that today's present state of affairs is owing to like laws from the past. When there seems like
1: there's other more likely explanations. So, as you know, I I disagree with you on all those points partially. Okay, <laughs> but I respect your position.
2: Yeah,
1: Um, and. I think our time is limited, so I I feel like I can't get into each of them. Um, But hopefully we will get into further and further um, podcasts. Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be helpful for us to look at one disparity in Minnesota. Okay. To bring it home because this is for our church primarily and for others in twin cities. But as of 2015, black, um, black people in Minnesota, have the 47th worst high school graduation rate. Sure. 47th. I mean, there's not a lot of, not a lot of states worse than us. That, that's worse than a lot of the, the, the southern states you have. Yep. Yeah, right. And we're a blue state. Yeah. We're a democratic state. We have been for decades, right? Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that it's important to, and so that so black people would be at a 61% graduation rate, according to 2014, forgive me. Mm. And this is from mncompass.org it's tracing some of the disparities and how much movement we've had over the years. Here's something even crazier. The rate for graduation for Hispanics is 72%. Um, Oh, shoot. I'm looking at the wrong chart. Okay. Let's try that again. Okay. It is 2015. Yeah. The black graduation rate is 62%, which is the 47th worst in our country. Hispanic is 66%, which is 49th worst in our country. Mm -hmm. So proportionally to the country, Hispanics have a worse graduation rate than black people. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Proportionally to our country, even though they have a 4% higher likelihood of graduation in Minnesota. Sure. Now, why do we bring this up? Well, this is a significant one. I first read this. I was deeply saddened. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's a huge uh, amount of people not graduating.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. Right. Um, We're talking 34% of black Americans not graduating in Minnesota. Mm -hmm. That's terrible, Mm -hmm. right? And we just know that if you don't have even a a high school degree or a GED, I mean, the the, the options for for you to get out of poverty and to have a healthy living, it it just goes down significantly. It does. Right. Mm-hmm. it's a death sentence. the stats are clear yeah. and there's there's unanimity among sociologists mm-hmm. and yet then the question is as we want to go about things in a healthy wise way is why mm-hmm. is it that why is that the case mm-hmm. now the lazy qu- answer would be to say racism mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that could be it could be and I do not personally have the education at this and the research to say why all the reasons and one of the things that it's important to say is that these things are complicated there's so many. There's sociological factors. There's there's cultural factors. There's uh, legal factors. There's the history of our of our area and different migration movements and gentrification. Like there's so many different factors, and to be able to weigh all of that and synthesize it and trying to come up with takeaways and say it's because of this and because of this and in 1945 this happened, which ca- creates a ripple effect of this 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 this. That's very hard to do, and it's very lazy and easy just to say it's racism. Sure, and it's also very easy. To say it's not racism,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sure. you got to do the hard work, and that's yeah. why I think this disparity is a great example to say, okay. Then we have to say, is this were there laws that intentionally harm people of color that created this disparity? Forty seventh worst high school rate for Black people, or are the policies currently in place that are unintentionally hurting the Black community? Mm-hmm. We can kind of break that down, and do you see how these questions, these this these the fourfold framework, really helps think through? specific policies and then we can then vote and then we can speak into it. And then we can come as communities and see, okay, Oh, we need help in these areas. And so we can bolster that rather than just blanketing. It's racism. Right. It could be. Now let's look into the data and look into the reasons. And, but, but without getting a PhD in this,
2: I think common sense can tell us that the definitions of systematic racism Mm -hmm. do not explain Minnesota's 47th percentile. I mean, we are a state with a progressive culture, yep. progressive city
1: yep.
2: who has, our university has been active in defining these categories and propagating these categories. They're embraced by our teachers,
1: mm-hmm. which
2: is why no one can go into a Minneapolis school and point to anything mm-hmm. and say, this is what's causing it. Yeah. It's, it, we're looking for a ghost. Yeah. That that's so difficult to find. Mm. Yeah. And one, one thing that really, I really think that the Christian worldview helps with, especially when we talk about culture is all four of these definitions we brought up are only external forces affecting a community color from the outside. Mm. It does not have a category for harmful things within that community.
1: Mm. Mm -hmm.
2: And so um, I think until we have that fifth category, we're not going to be able to diagnose and explain why we're 47th in the country. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a reason why we're always looking for a racist ghost in the machine and having difficulty finding it. Here's one quote. This is from 1967. I thought this was really helpful. A guy who was talking about the disparities in the New York school system said this in the South. There were a great many outcomes, situations, customs, rules, which were inimical to Negro rights, which violated Negro rights, and which were willed outcomes, intended, planned, desired outcomes. And it was therefore possible to seek out those individuals who were willing the outcomes and to coerce them to cease to do so. Now, if you come to New York City with its incomparable expenditures on education, And you will find that in the 12th grade, Negro students are performing at the sixth grade level in mathematics. Find me the man who wills that outcome. Find me the legislator who's held back money, the teacher who's held back his skills, the superintendent who's deliberately discriminating, the curriculum supervisor who puts the wrong books in, the architect who built the bad schools. He isn't there. He isn't there. If we could find something in our Minneapolis school system that's systematically racist, Did we not see the protests that just happened here? How, how could that even survive for a day in the city? And so I just, I I do think that if we, if we say it's due to one of these four things and don't have a fifth category,
0: Mm.
2: we're, we're going to be spinning
1: our tires and it's going to be difficult to move forward. Yeah. I like that. That's helpful. So, I mean, one thing I, I do think it's helpful for us as hearers and as us on this, this little mini panel, what do we do with that? And we want to continue to learn and listen and grow. But you know what? One of the best ways you can help people of color is know people of color. Yes. I mean, I don't want to overly individualize and not, I mean, you know, MLK's, and I'm going to botch his his quote is, hey, hearts, like, you can't change a racist heart, but you can stop them from lynching you with, like, loss. Oh, Mm. goodness. Sorry. Whoever knows (laughs) the quote better. Gosh, I'm doing this off the cuff. You guys know what I'm saying, right? Like, yes. ultimately, we want hearts changed. Hearts. You can legislate all day long, and it won't change a heart, right? But legislation can s- protect someone from getting lynched, mm-hmm. in, in many cases, right? Yes. Right. So there's there is something about we want to care about larger, sweeping measures that affect lots of people, and yet I think the individual, primary individual responsibility for us is what are you doing with the people you know? Because mm-hmm. as an urban church, we have. The primary people we minister to um, who weren't you know coming from a Christian background are people of color. We very quickly, if we listened and we loved well, we learned multiple areas where they need to help, why they had racial, racial disparities. Yeah. And me, I have some power, but overall, I've, I'm limited in power and influencing the whole city and nation, right? Yes. But I do have some power, actually way more proportional power for one family or yeah. a few families. Mm-hmm. And so just... I know that one of the things that we can feel after we weigh through some data and talk through these measures is feeling a sense of paralysis. Like I can't do anything. What do, I, I can't get a PhD in sociology to weigh through all this and, and all this kind of stuff. If, it, feels, it feels like despairing and hopeless, right?
0: Mm-hmm. But who's
1: one person you know right now or you could know that you can care for them, love them, and, and not tra- take them on as a project, as a white savior, you know? But like be, do the work of being a Christian, loving yes. people moving towards hurt. Like that's mm-hmm. not patronizing. That's not uh, uh, treating people as less. That's, that's what Jesus does. He meets people where they're at. Yeah. And so you do that. You'll learn very quickly why there's racial disparities in, at least in that specific situation, mm-hmm. right? Because it's so complex and every situation is different mm-hmm. and yet there are common So hopefully that's fair. That's yeah. You, you can't, you can't grow to the level of maturity in Christ. If you only minister to people who are
2: like you, mm-hmm. that will happen when you, when you are humbled, when you are beyond your understanding, when you are seeing new levels of human beauty and brokenness that you're just blind to in your own cultural kind of like monocultural setting. Like I know I'm more mature in Christ because of people I've encountered. And, and I know that God has used me in some ways to help people who have
0: a rougher, rougher shake at life than I've had. And, um, so I totally, yeah. totally commend that. Brothers, thanks for all the time you put in and trying to understand this this topic. And um, uh, church, we're we're gonna, you know, constantly call you to this particular thing to reach out to individuals to to show the love of Christ. And this this is our our prayer is that we can simply get our head around these things. We, we're trying to define these terms so we can we can better love, better serve in our city. Um, if you have other uh, questions for for us about this topic, um, this specific one or, or others around the racial discussion, uh, please send those questions to Ross at all And we'd like to try to tackle your question. Um, we appreciate you listening. God Thanks. Bless you. Yeah. Love you guys.